Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church's podcast. We are so excited to present our new sermon series, You Asked For It, where we hit the top six topics requested by all of you. Hope you enjoy. Last Sunday was a blessing in my life. What were you expecting this week, huh? Hopefully you got what you were expecting. This is your first time with us. We preached a message last Sunday called What Was You Expecting, where we talked about the power of expectations. And I just want to address the power of expectations. They're powerful. One of the, hopefully one of the takeaways that you took away from last Sunday was that your experience is often determined by the level of your expectation. And I wonder how many times we come to church just kind of expecting a regular Sunday, just kind of come to church kind of just expecting everything to be the same. And I, I want you to know what you expect is what you experience. So I want to encourage you today to have a different expectation. I want you to expect to leave this place in a different way than when you walked in. I want you to expect God to encourage you, although you came in discouraged. I want you to expect God to, to do something special in your life, uh, even, if, even if you don't feel like it. Expect, oh, by the way, don't expect a message today. Don't, don't expect anything from me. I'm nobody. I don't have any particular set of skills or talents or gifts. That was a taken reference. I don't know if you caught that, but particular set of skills. I don't have any of that. I, I, but but, but ex- if you expect God to speak to you, if you expect God to speak to you, then I, I, think, I think I know that he does. And so uh, if you have a, uh, a Bible, I want to ask you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 21. You ask the question, how do I forgive? How do I forgive? And I'm going to tell you kind of now, uh, it was a very confusing question for me. But I, I'll, I'll wait to tell you why it was a confusing question until I, I read my scripture verse and I give you the title of today's talk. And then I'll tell you why I was confused that you asked it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen and you can read with us on the screen. Then Peter came and said to him, him being Jesus, Lord, how often, somebody say how often, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, find three people, the person to your left, to your right, and in front of you. And if you're in the first row, they're behind you. Tell them the title of the talk. The title of today's talk is How Many Times? How many times? Yeah. Well, let me tell you why I was confused that you had asked this question. The reason why I was confused that you asked this question is because you asked it on Easter. For those who don't know, we handed out a survey on Easter. About 400 people filled out a survey uh, asking for particular topics to be preached about. Forgiveness was the second most asked question. The first most asked question we're going to cover next Sunday, and that is how do I deal with stress? So, yo, you need to be here, okay? Because that's, that's your message, all right? Number one question asked. Can't wait to get into that. But the second most asked question was how do I forgive? And I got to be honest, I was confused because... When you had asked that question, uh, I had already preached on forgiveness three times. By the time you asked that question, and so immediately two thoughts came into my mind. One was, man, I really suck at preaching because they didn't get it. And then, and then two was, you know, because we set up our preaching calendar for the rest of the, for, you know, for the year, we go in advance, I go, I'm thinking, man, how many times do they have to hear a message on forgiveness? And as I begin to reflect on Peter's question, 
I kind of saw the answer to my own question. Because the truth is that Peter's question is actually a two-part question. And how many times do I forgive is actually only the second half of the two-part question. And it's the first half that we read over so quickly that we miss that validates the second half of the question, that validates your responses on that survey, that validates preaching on forgiveness four or five times a year. Because the first half of the question went like this, and and I'm going to slow it down. See, the second half was, how many times do I forgive? But the first half was this, how many times is someone going to hurt me? And when you put it in that context, now the question makes sense. I'll slow it down. I know we read it kind of fast the first time. Matthew chapter 18, 21. I'll cut it in half this time. That way you can grasp it. He says, then Peter came. Yeah, that's the first version, next version of that verse. Then Peter came and said to him, looks like a different verse, doesn't it? How often shall my brother sin against me? And that's when it made sense, and that's when it hit me, and that's when I grasped it. The reason why we need to continue to speak on forgiveness is because we live in a world where people continue to ignore us, continue to disrespect us, continue to talk bad about us, continue to betray us, continue to leave us, continue to lie about us, a world where we continue to suffer hurt. And you can only suffer so much hurt until you get to the point where you say, okay, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to love my neighbor. I get it. I'm supposed to love my enemy. I get it. But how many times am I... Am I Am I, am I hitting something? I hope so. How many, how many times? How many times am I supposed to be okay with, uh, with, with my so-called friends talking about me behind my back? How many times do I have to be okay with getting passed over for that promotion at work? How many times do I have to be uh, okay with, uh, how many birthdays does my dad have to miss until I can finally tell him he, he's not my dad? We might say, share the same DNA, but, but he's not a part of my family. How many anniversaries does my spouse have to miss before I can have this conversation with them? And while we're on the topic of relationships, uh, how many text messages are they going to receive from that coworker of the opposite sex that uh, when it vibrates, like I pretend like I don't hear it, but I actually hear it? I just want to know. How many times, because I'm trying to be civil, and I'm trying to be patient, and I'm trying to be like Jesus, but I want to know how many times, and, and, and it's only in that context that you get at the heart of Peter's true question, because Peter was real slick at looking righteous when he wasn't. You know that, right? Like he came out, and he was like, God, he, sometime he went to it. He went to a city that the city didn't received the gospel. So Peter's like, God, do you want us to call down fire and burn down every single one of them? I'll do it because I love you and I love people. Like, what? Like, he was real, you know. So Peter dresses up this question, but what you hear it in the context of how many times you hear the, the authenticity, the frustration, and the darkness of the true question. The true question isn't how many times do I need to forgive this person? The true question is when is it okay to cut people off? When is it okay to get up in my contact book and just begin to delete people from my... When is it okay to end the friendship? When is it okay to leave the house, the relationship? When is it okay to, to tell my, my parents, I'm sorry, no more? Uh, when, I mean, are there, are there people on Facebook that even Jesus would unfriend is what I'm asking. Is there, is it, is it, when is the, when is the... When is the limit? I need to know. <laughs> and I want to tackle this question because I feel like it's relevant. And I also think that Jesus saw right through Peter's fake question and answered this question. So I want to do that. But before I do that, 
We need to uh, understand what we're talking about and what we're not talking about so that we don't misapply Jesus' teaching to our, our life. And so I want you to tell you really quickly what we're not talking about. When we're talking about cutting people off and, and the challenges that that presents and maybe, the, maybe the, even the sin in that, what we're not talking about is creating boundaries. Boundaries are good. Boundaries are what keep you from the people who want to hurt you. Boundaries are healthy to have. Jesus said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off because it's better to go to heaven with one hand than hell with both hands. He said, if your right foot causes you to sin, cut it off because it's better to go to heaven with two feet than to go to hell with two feet. Now, just so you know, he didn't mean that literally. What he meant was, sometimes you need to separate from the things and people in your life, even if you love them, who are hurting you physically or spiritually. Even if you love them, sometimes you have to separate and sometimes you have to cut them off. So if you have a friend that, that, that you love, that's awesome, that has a great sense of humor, he's got one problem, like they also love drugs, like they love it. And every time you get around them, you end up doing drugs. You might need to reconsider that relationship and say, hey man, I love you and you're a great friend, but the thing is, I'd rather go to heaven sober than hell high. If, if you're in a relationship with someone and, and, and you love that person, and, 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 but every time you get together, your, your purity is being challenged, you might need to tell this person, hey, I love you, but we might need to consider other options because I'd rather go to, 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 to heaven single than to, than to hell dating. And if you're in a marriage that is abusive and, 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 and someone in that marriage is, is beating you physically, emotionally, verbally, you, you, don't, you, need, you, need to, you need to get out of that. I got I to gotta make sure that I, I lay these, these boundaries because you need to stay alive so that you can raise your kids, so that you can make sure that your kids get to heaven instead of living in a hell because you think that that kind of faithfulness is what gets you to heaven. I just, I don't want to, I don't want you to misapply what I'm teaching. And so it's important for you to understand that there are boundaries and the boundary would be uh, would be anybody who is threatening you physically or spiritually, most importantly, eternally. Those are the people that you need to set boundaries with in your relationships and in your friendship. But that's not what I'm talking about. And that's not what Peter is talking about. Peter is not talking about, well, how many times until I cut off people outside of me. Peter's really talking about how many times until I cut off people inside of me. At what point is it okay to just stop caring? Because, you know, that's what we're quick to do. I just don't care anymore. I just don't care about them anymore. Oh, you mean you don't, you, don't, you don't like them, like you hate them? No, no, I never said that. I'm just saying. Like, I don't want them to get hit by a car. I just don't care. I'm just saying. No, no don't accuse me. No, I, I don't want him to lose his job. No. I just don't care. No, I don't want him to catch some type of disease with all the girls that he's been running around even though he deserves it. I just don't care, what I'm trying to tell you is I've gotten to the point in my spiritual maturity where I just don't care. And, 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 and I guess the question you're asking is, at what point is it okay because of all the hurt that he or she has deposited in me, is it okay to now withhold my love from them? And I'll share a quick story that maybe shine some light on that, on that question. My sister, who I love to death, she's an angel, she is quick. And I mean that in the best way. She is quick to love people. Like I've seen her meet a stranger on the street, she didn't even know, and within five minutes, 
this person's opening up their heart, and my sister's just crying next to her, like a stranger. She's just so, anybody know like that? Just super empathetic. She's quick to build a relationship, quick to love people. I'm the opposite way. I just, like, what did I go in the store for? That's what I'm going to get and then leave the store. And thank God I married somebody who's the opposite of that. But, but she's not like that. She is quick to build a relationship and quick to love people. But, um, you know, this is a double-edged sword because she's also quick to cut you up. Like, you get one shot with my sister. Just one shot. <laughs> After that, yeah. And I remember being, being, being 14. She was probably 10, you know. And something, she was always, always tough, always strong. You never push her around. I remember one time she got into an argument with my dad, and, uh, and she threatened, at 10 years old, something like that, to run away. And so my dad, he just grew up in a different world, you know. Like, I don't even know if this is great parenting advice. Like, don't do this, parents. But she said, I'm going to run away. He said, he opened the door. <laughs> like, he opened the door. And was, I was like, okay. And he went back into his office and started doing work. I'm sitting there like a fly on the wall. I'm like. <laughs> he knew what she didn't know is that there, are no, there is no food on the streets. <laughs> is that there is no shelter on the road. She was gone for 15 minutes. <laughs> 15 minutes. And 15 minutes later, she came in. Back in. I had to use the bathroom. <laughs> wasn't about to go, you know, commando out there or natives. She comes back in. But, but, but what surprised me was the, was the state she came in. She came in, but the 15 minutes didn't help. She came in, and she came in upset. She came in frustrated. She came in angry. Went into the, went into the fridge, poured a glass of milk. I'm going to take your milk, but I don't like your milk. I'm going to use your bathroom, but I don't like your bathroom. It's just angry. And I thought, and I thought, I thought, well, that doesn't make sense because that's, that's usually what we do. See, she tried to run away hoping that the distance would, would do something inside, would fix the problem. But, but it doesn't work. Why? Because putting a 1,000 miles between you and the person who hurts you does not put an inch between you and the hurt within you. I can run away from my ex, but I can't run away from my heart. It sleeps with me. It wakes up with me. It goes to, 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 to work with me. I, I wrote it like this, and hopefully uh, you can put it down in your notes like this. Distancing yourself from the people who hurt you does not dissolve the hurt they put in you. It doesn't. And, 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 in, case, and in case you're wondering, pain doesn't dissolve. Hurt doesn't dissolve. Bitterness doesn't dissolve. And unforgiveness, it doesn't dissolve. Your unforgiveness is not Ovaltine. It is not Kool-Aid and it is not Tang. It does not go away with time if you leave it. It doesn't work. It's oil. Leave it alone long enough and it ends up rising to the top. That's what it is. That's what it is. And, and I got to say that. I got to say that notion because there are some people here who believe one of, the, one of the stupidest things I've ever heard, which is time heals all Stupid. Dumb, dumb, dumb advice. Time heals all wounds. If I can just get away from them for a couple years, I'll be all right. No, you won't. Time does not heal all wounds. And don't ever give somebody that advice. Tell a young woman who's been raped that time heals all wounds. 
Tell a little boy who's been, who's been molested that time heals all wounds. Tell somebody whose house has been broken into that time heals all wounds. Tell a parent who's lost their child that time heals all wounds. Time doesn't heal all wounds. I'm sorry. It's not good advice. Don't work. Time heals all wounds. <laughs> really? If that's the case, if that's the case, Playing with fire. Eight years old. Firework. Exploded in my left hand. Time heals all wounds. Time heals all wounds. Can you see this right here? I don't know if you can see it. Right here. There? No. Over the eyebrow? Oh, right yeah. there? I was 12. My alarm clock went off on top of my dresser. They had two doors on the bottom. I left the dresser doors open. When I woke up in the morning, I was so disoriented, because it was early, first day of school, I went to shut off the alarm clock, but I missed it. And the weight of my head <laughs> came colliding on the dresser door. I had to rush me to the hospital. Down here was all wounds. See this right here? And this is the eyebrow? Yeah? Hit a mailbox, <laughs> playing football. Caught it, went the other way, never saw it. The mailbox cover had been ripped off, and it was the point of the hinge that was sticking out. Right there, bah. Rushed to the hospital. Time heals all wounds. The scars last forever. Time heals all wounds. Scars last forever. Imagine a time bomb. Because that's, by, by the way, that's what you are when you have unresolved unforgiveness in your heart. You're a time bomb. People come up to you talking about good morning. You're like, what do you mean by that? Did I look like I wasn't having a good morning? What are you insinuating by wishing that my morning be good? Damn your morning. Your morning to, 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 to beneath the, no morning to you. Good night, sir. Good morning. Your time bomb, witness blow. People just trying to do nice things to you. They just blow up, you blow up, you blow up. Because you got this thing in your heart that, has it, that, that doesn't dissolve and hasn't been resolved. It doesn't dissolve and it hasn't yet been resolved. And so you got this thing. Well, well, well you know what? I did some, I did some research and I studied. Because here's the thing about pain and here's the thing about hurt, Okay. It cannot be denied. You can't pretend like it didn't happen. It cannot be deferred. You can't put it off to tomorrow. It cannot be dissolved by, by time. It, it, it can only be diffused. I did some research on how to diffuse a time bomb, as one does in their spare time. And, and, and of course, there are different types of bombs and different types of styles of bombs and but every, every website said the same thing. And again, I don't know how academic my research really is, but I won't be diffusing bombs just in case you're concerned or worried. It said, don't try to remove the dynamite because the, subtle, the most subtle touch will cause it to blow, a lot like you and I. So what you got to do is you got to find the red wire because the red wire is what controls the timer. And the timer is what controls the bomb. 
And so you can't control the bomb, but if you can, if you can disconnect the timer, the timer is not going to ignite the bomb. Here's what, here's what God told me to tell you. You'll never be able to get out of you what someone else put in you, but you don't have to let what someone else put in you control you. Are you hearing me? Because you know what that red wire is, right? It's the power wire. In other words, I can't undo what you did to me when I was a kid. I can't undo what my ex did to me. I can't undo what my son did to me, what my daughter did to me. I can't undo what my boss did to me. I can't undo what my best friend or my former best friend did to me. I can't undo what my fiance did to me. I can't undo what, what my parents, my uncle, what they did to me. But I don't have to let it have power anymore in my life. I'm going to cut the cord. And you know, I'm going to cut it off. And you know what that's called? The process of diffusing forgiveness. Forgiveness is cutting the power to the control that the hurt has inside of you. That's what forgiveness is. So how do you do it? Well, we got to talk about that because we have to really examine what forgiveness is because I think that we think that forgiveness is something that it isn't and then we try and forgive people but we forgive people the wrong way and then we get upset because we're still struggling with this bitterness even though we forgave them but it's not because forgiveness doesn't work. It's because we're not forgiving the right way. So we need to stop looking at television shows for an example of forgiveness Okay, standing outside her house with a radio. Say anything reference? Come on. No? Okay. Standing with the little, little cards, the white, the white little poster boards. I don't even know the name of that movie. I just remember that scene. It was iconic. Probably should have researched it before I shared it with you. Um, you got to understand what forgiveness is. And so let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Okay, we got to start there because Peter also starts with this assumption. Forgiveness is not, you need to hear this, in action. A lot of us think that forgiveness is an action. <clears throat> I forgive you. Something that you say, in action. Forgiveness is not an action. I learned this through looking at children fight. I saw my two sons fight. We make our sons, every time they fight, we make the one who instigated say, I'm sorry. And we make the victim say, I forgive you. Always. And so one time, Zane went up to justice and he just hit him. Because they do that now. Out of nowhere. They think it's fun until somebody gets hurt, right? Don't want to wrestle you. Pff, bleeding. I'm sorry. Hits his brother, and he starts crying, he's crying, he's crying. Zane says, Justice, I'm sorry. Justice, I'm sorry. Justice, I'm sorry. Justice starts crying. Then Zane asks him, do you forgive me? Justice said, no, I don't forgive you. Just like that. And I'm there, and so I'm like, whoa. I said, I said, you say you forgive him right now. You forgive him this instant. You forgive him this very moment. You repeat after me. I will. Oh, I will <laughs> forgive you. Okay. Now, now, I might have forced it to come out of his mouth, but do you think it came out of his heart? No. This forgiveness is not. In action. We know that that's what Peter thought because Peter answers his own question. He says, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive? And then he answers his own question. He says, seven times. Well, what did Peter mean when he said seven times? We could take Peter's answer literally or symbolically. If we take Peter's answer literally, that he literally meant that you ought to forgive somebody seven times, that makes sense because at the time, the predominant rabbinic teaching was that you should only forgive somebody three times. Yeah, because in the book of Amos, it's, it's ridiculous, but in the book of Amos, which is a poetic book, a prophetic poetic book, um, the, the, the author says, 
God says, I forgave you for this, I forgave you for this, I forgave you for this, but I didn't forgive you for this. And it's a whole chapter where on the fourth one, he stops forgiving. And so rabbis looked at that, at that prophetic, poetic book, and they took it literally, and they said, well, nobody can be more forgiving than God, and so you can only have to forgive somebody up to three times. And that was the teaching at the time. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, shame on us. Fool me four times, and I will cut you, Okay. Four times and I will cut you. And God will be okay with it. I know what you're, so he literally, he could have literally meant seven times, that's it, just seven times. Just got to think of anybody seven, because what he was doing is he was taking the predominant rabbinic teaching at the time, doubling it, and adding one for safe measure. Just seven. Right? I know you're probably thinking, I said, that's so silly. That's so stupid. That's so dumb. How could anybody forgive only seven times? Those cavemen back there, they were just so uncultured. So, Because uh, nobody does that now. Nobody does that now? You mean nobody does that now? You mean you don't do that now? No, uh, seven times, no. Okay, because all Peter was really doing was keeping score. I love when it gets quiet. I love it. All Peter was really doing was, okay, you did this to me then. I'm not going to say nothing, but I'm going to keep it in my pocket. And then you did this to me then. I'm not going to say nothing, but I'm going to keep it in my pocket. And then you did this to me then. Oh, okay. And we start keeping score. Oh, you don't do that? Oh, okay. Well, you must not be married then. Because i tell you some of the arguments that I've had with my wife. I mean, we're over this now. We're way past. We're mature now. We're spiritually on another level right now. But then... Forget to clean one dish. She gets upset. I'm like, why are you so upset about the dish? Because in February of 2008, it was Valentine's and you did not hold the door open for me and I have been holding it in until now and I can't hold it in anymore. You're like, 2008? Married people either say ultra amen, one of the two, but... He could have meant it literally. We ought, we ought to, have to keep score. He could have meant it. He could have meant it symbolically. Symbolically, because seven is a symbol. Seven, seven symbolizes completion. That's significant. You say, why would seven symbolize completion? Well, think about it. There's seven days in a week. On the seventh day, God rested. He created the work. The seventh day, He was completed. In seven days, if you are any music people play musicians, music, music, read music. Hey, there are seven whole notes in a complete scale. A B D A B C D E F G. I know my alphabet. Um, if if anybody studies light. The spectrum, the white spectrum of light is actually made up, a complete spectrum of light is actually made up of seven colors, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, Roy G. Biv, the rainbow, right? Seven has always symbolized the number of completion. So what Peter could have meant was, you just got to forgive him once, but it's got to be one good time. <laughs> like on your knees in tears in the presence of God, forgiveness. Like just one complete time. The problem with that is, your decision to forgive and the feelings that led you to need to forgive in the first place are two different things. So you could forgive on, Monday, on Sunday but still feel salty on Monday. And so forgiving once doesn't work, even if it's a good one because you'll still have the emotions inside of you that led you to have to need to forgive that person. And so Jesus gives his answer, and I love Jesus' answer. He's so wise. He answers them both literally and symbolically. Jesus says this, next verse, Matthew 18, 22. He says, I do not say to you up to seven times, 
but 70 times 7. Wow. Jesus is answering him. And you can take it that Jesus is answering him literally or symbolically. Either way, it makes sense. If you take it that Jesus is answering literally, what Jesus is really doing is he's trying to pick a number so big as to change the context of the conversation from numbers altogether. It's like what I do with my son when he's going to bed at night and he doesn't want to go to sleep. And so he asks me from his bed. He's like, how many minutes until I wake up? Gosh, I hate that question. It's like 7 o'clock. Like I'm supposed to do the math. Like, how many minutes until I wake up? I swear, one time I was like, how many minutes? A million. Now close your eyes and shut your mouth. A million minutes. Go to sleep. Right? I don't really mean a million. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to pick a number so big that it changes the whole conversation from, from logistics to obedience. And so Jesus is saying, why are you even counting? Just forgive him, dummy. Just forgive him. Get this out of your mind. You're trying to make math out of mercy, but mercy don't make math. You mean one man died for the sins of every man and every woman from the beginning of time to the end of time? That don't make sense. That don't add up. That's grace. It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. It's uncanny. It's, un it's unnatural. You can't solve mercy with math. Jesus didn't come to keep the score. Jesus came to clear the scoreboard, to get rid of every air ball, to get rid of every fumble, to get rid of every interception, to bring it back to zero. You can't solve mercy with math. Stop trying to keep a score. Or you can take it that Jesus made it symbolically, and that's powerful. Because 70 times 7, if you do the math, is actually 490. And when you, do, and when you look at certain versions of this scripture, usually it doesn't even say, some versions don't even say 70 times 7. Some versions actually say 490. Because 490 is what Jesus was trying to say. Why would Jesus try and say 490? What's the symbolism between 490? Well, I don't want to get all into it, but I will tell you that in the book of Daniel, Daniel Daniel's this prophet, and that book's in your Bible, and at the end of the book, he begins to prophesy the end of time. And this is what he says. He says that, he says that at the end of time, it, it'll all be over, the end of time. And the end of time will be, and it's a symbolic thing, so don't say it literally, but he says, the end of time will be 490 years. So if you're, you wouldn't get it because you didn't grow up a Hebrew, you didn't grow up a Jewish person, but, but if you're Hebrew and you're Jewish and you grew up and you heard this, by the way, the book of Matthew, which is where we get this parable from, was actually written, Matthew to the Hebrews. So they would have had this knowledge. So I'm giving you knowledge that the hearers would have, would have had. So when they hear 490, they don't see a number. That's a symbol. And what that symbol literally means is until the end of time. And so, and so Jesus goes, Jesus goes, Peter, said, Peter says, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Jesus says, oh, do you know when the end of time is? He's like, yeah, 490 years. Okay. Well, when the world stops spinning, you can stop forgiving. Until the end of time. Until the end of time. And in doing that, listen to me, Jesus presents a radical redefinition of forgiveness. He changes it. Because how can you forgive someone over and over and over and over and over? Eventually, the words will fail to have meaning because he changes it. He shifts the definition. He says this, forgiveness is not an action. It's an attitude. Forgiveness is not something you do. It's the way you live your life. It's your perspective on all those who hurt you. It's your perspective on offense. It's your perspective on forgiveness. It's not an action. It's an attitude. Stop trying to, to forgive people and start understanding forgiveness is who you 
It's an attitude. Well, how do I get that attitude? Because I would love that attitude. I'm glad you asked. Jesus actually understands that that's the question. Jesus blew them out of their sock. They didn't know what to say. When he said 70 times, step 49 to the end of the word, the disciples don't, have a, don't say anything. You know they don't say anything because he keeps speaking. What you don't see is that awkward pregnant pause, you know, when he's like to the end of time and they're like. He's like, let me break it down. And he tells them a story that helps us understand how we can make forgiveness our attitude and not just an action. Here's the story. Matthew, chapter 18, the very next verse, 23. He tells a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who has wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Verse 27, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him, gave him the debt. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, that don't make no sense. I thought you were going to teach me how to forgive. Why are you telling me a story? Because you're not the king in that story, by the way. In case you're wondering. So oftentimes, we do try to take the place of the judge. When we're not the judge, God never called us to be the judge. He called us to be the brother of our brother, not the judge of our brother. And so we read a story like that. Sometimes we think that we're the brother. We're not the king. We're, we're, we're the brother. We're, we're the servant. So I don't understand. Why are you teaching me to forgive by telling me a story about someone who has been forgiven. Because Jesus' answer to Peter was, how many times should you forgive? Depends. How many times have you hurt others? It all depends on that, really, Peter. How many times have you lied to somebody? How many times have you betrayed someone's trust? How many times have, have you hurt someone? How many times have you turned your back on them? And, and then just get it off of them. Let's get it on me. How many times have you turned your back on me? How many times have you ran away from me? How many times have you abandoned me? How many times have you, have you, have you, have you, have you done that to me? You got it? You understand? A lot of times? Yeah, a lot of times. Okay, good. Now, now focus on this. And that's why he ends the story with forgiveness. Well, the story's not over. There's another part to it. That's a whole other half of my message that I'm obviously not going to be able to get to. He says this. He says this in this parable. He goes, okay, now that you understand how much that you failed and how much mistakes you made, I want you to answer this question. Are you ready? Yeah. How many times have I forgiven you? How many times did you go back to the same thing and then come back on Sunday and be met with grace? How many times have you abandoned and then came back and felt my love again over and over and over? How many times did you run away from me that I chased you and I found you and I ran after you? Why? Why? Now that you understand that you've been forgiven, you can forgive others. 
It all starts with an attitude of understanding that you've been forgiven, that you were the product of grace, that you were the one who could have been judged, but you weren't. That's when an attitude change happens. When you realize the, the filth in your own life and what God could have done but didn't do because he loved you. I shared this story with those in prayer, but I'll share it real quick and then we'll close. You can, you can check this out. I share it. My wife, a lot of people don't know, my wife almost died in a car accident. Uh, she was young, 22, 21, something like that, younger, 19. Almost died in a car accident. She, she was driving. She wasn't serving the Lord at that time either. But she was driving and she started to spin out and she hit a lamppost and the lamppost came down, broke through the windshield and got real close to her head. She has a scar on her head right now where the lamppost just made contact. Three more inches, she wouldn't be here today. Right there. She was in the hospital, you know, just deformed, got better. She saw her car. When she saw her car and how wrecked it was and how messed up it was and how broken her car was, she looked at her car and thought, wow, that could have been me. People say, why do I confess my sins to God? Do I confess my sins to God because I'm expecting him to forgive me? When you accept Jesus Christ in your heart, he forgives you for every sin you've ever committed. The reason why we confess our sins to God is because he wants us to look at the wreck that could have been. She had an attitude change when she understood what her life could have been, what she could have became, but God saved her. You got to look at yourself and all the times that you let people down and all the times that you let God down and reflect and think, man, that could have been me. I could have been the one. God could have took my life. I could be in hell right now. My sins could be on me, but you know what? He gave me grace. He forgave me. He rescued me. He saved me. And if he did it for me, I got to be willing to do it for somebody else. How can I not? How can I not stand on your feet would you stand on your feet this afternoon how can I not 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 and so you forgive and you forgive and you forgive but it's not the action it's not saying I forgive you it's understanding that you've been forgiven listen forgiveness is not what you do forgiven is who you are and so when you can't find it within you to move on from the hurt that somebody put in your life, just remember forgiven is who you are. When you can't find it within you, when you wake up Monday morning and you're still feeling sensitive, remember that forgiven is who you are. When you see that person put a post on social media and they're having a the time of their life and the, and the hatred and the, and the disgust and the, and the I don't care feelings start to rise up, you've got to remember that forgiven is who you are and then when you, when you when you understand that then you can sing songs like this and God can restore your peace because then the words make sense right and the words make sense when you feel like you can't forgive someone you need to sing to yourself And you can see, and I can see now. I can see the love in your. That's how you deal with the bitterness. 
laying yourself down. That's how you deal with the pain. Raising up the broken to life. That's how you deal with the bitterness. That's how you deal with the pain. That's how you deal with the hurt. You get your eyes off of the people who hurt you, and you get your eyes onto the grace that Jesus Christ extended you. Maybe that's why Jesus dying on the cross while the people who used to worship him spit on him. Maybe that's why the Bible says he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Because sometimes you can't even look at the people. Sometimes you can't even look at the situation. The hurt is so real. The pain is so real that you gotta lift your eyes and think, but you but your grace, but your goodness, but your forgiveness, but your mercy, but your love for me. God, how can I not? Your grace that flows through me, I got to extend it to others. Your mercy that flows through me, I got to extend it to others. You feel freedom coming over you? Come on, do you hear the chains falling down? Do you feel the, the bitterness just coming out of you? Do you feel the, the desire to hurt others coming off of you when you received his grace? But therein lies the catch. Listen, in order to forgive, you got to be forgiven. I wonder if there's anybody here this afternoon who'd say, Pastor, I don't know that I've ever been forgiven. I don't haven't experienced this forgiveness you speak of and Maybe somebody hurt you it's been years maybe it was another church maybe it was another a father maybe it was a mother maybe it was a relationship maybe it was a pastor like me who in position of God came here's what you do receive forgiveness become forgiven so if you're in this place this afternoon you would say I need to give my life to Jesus Christ I need to receive his forgiveness for every mistake and every error and every shortcoming and failure. If that's you, I want, can we give those, those individuals some privacy, every head bowed, every eye closed? If that's you in this, in this building today, in this temple, and you want to receive forgiveness, you want to become forgiven, I want to count to three. And when I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand up into the sky as high as you can as a signal to the Lord that you want forgiveness and to Satan that you are not unaware of his schemes. I will not be a slave to unforgiveness any longer. Are you ready? On three, it's time to receive forgiveness. One, two, three. All over this place. Shoot that right hand up high. Come on, I see that hand. I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. Come on, I've never seen so many hands on a Sunday. That's what unforgiveness will do. That's what, that's what unforgiveness will do. It'll draw you to Jesus. It'll draw you to Jesus because you know that he's the only one who can heal you. Hey, if you raise your right hand, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And I want all of Journey Church to repeat it with us. Father God, forgive me. I failed. I've made mistakes. I know others have hurt me, but I have also hurt others. Today, I receive your forgiveness. Today, I declare that I am, even if I don't feel like it, I am forgiven. I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. Now that I am forgiven, will you let forgiveness flow through me? Come on, receive it, 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 receive it. Come on, there must have been 20 different hands that were lifted up. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? About 20 people. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. 
Our team will be ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com forward slash give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a blessed week.